7.02 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura Dealers. Experience the Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura Dealer. Today we are in hour two, hour dose of the program. Hour two is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling. They recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. We are coming to you live from the Kintech studio. Kintech Footwear and Orthotics, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, supported by over 2,500 five-star Google reviews. Find a perfect fit at Kintech.net. So I'm noticing in the NHL schedule that there's going to be a lot of uh, Canadian teams versus Canadian teams because the Canucks are headed back east Mm -hmm. to play Ottawa, Toronto, and Montreal but the Flames are also headed back east That's to play right, Jason. Toronto, Ottawa, Ottawa, and Montreal. So the this and is Toronto how, and Ottawa play tonight. This is how it's going to play out. The Canucks are going to do their Eastern Conference uh, swing, mm-hmm. and everyone the, the stories have already written themselves. Right, Canucks are off to great brackets, surprising start. All of these players would be in the mix for individual awards at the 10-game mark of the regular season. So everyone's excited. They're traveling road trip. Oh, yeah. Quinn Hughes. Oh, and then Leon. Calgary's going to go back, and they're going to go, blech. And everyone gets to focus on the Jonathan Huberto <laughs> story. Like, the timing of it. And I look, Ryan Huska doesn't think about these things. He's in a game. He's trying to win. But to bench Jonathan Huberto and then have the team go on to beat Nashville 4-2 while Huberto is benched, yeah. ahead of a trip where you're going to go... And you're going to face three massive media markets and a bunch of reporters. Timing's not great. Mm-hmm. And I don't. Here's the thing: What happens if you go back out as the head coach and you give Huberto his regular twirl, or God forbid, you give him even more minutes to compensate for the ones you took away, and he plays poorly and the Flames lose again? Mm-hmm. I mean, what do you do if you're the coach? You know, we talk is about the un- ne- is the next step then healthy scratching. You talk about but then un- what do you do? You talk about that? unintended can't we- healthy scratch a ten and a half million dollar player for the rest of the season. You talk about unintended consequences all the time. We talk about it all the time. Like you just sometimes you just don't see this happening. Sometimes you didn't plan for this part of it. I'm sure Huska didn't think about well, what happens if I do this and we play way better and we win. <laughs> And winning is important right now because we've lost a lot more games than we've won, and we're trying to be a playoff team. I don't know how that plays out. Uh, I am excited to watch it, though. Have you seen who's got the wild card spots right now in the Western Conference? So we talked about this a break. Friend, I look at the... This is sad in the state of my life right now, but I look at the NHL Western Conference wild card standings on a nightly basis. Mm -hmm. So I know that... Somehow, <laughs> somehow, two of the teams in contention are Arizona and Anaheim. Right? Anaheim has the first wild card spot. Their record is seven and five. Arizona, coming off a win, has the second wild card spot. Their record is six, five, and one. So the teams currently chasing those two Minnesota, which is off to a so so start, although the Wild have won two in a row. St. Louis, which didn't really go into the season with high expectations they're pretty much as expected right now the seattle kraken have played 13 games and they've only won four of them they've got a minus 12 goal differential and then below them you've got nashville who the canucks have already beaten twice calgary who are yeah they've won two in a row but there are problems in calgary chicago as expected 
Apparently, the Blackhawks had a players-only meeting, so we Connor, missed that. That happened Connor, on Sunday. Connor Bedard got to experience that one. It's great. Um, <laughs> it's great, man. The, the meeting was just like, geez, we aren't very good, are we? Yeah, they're like, let's Bedard. just keep, let's just keep tanking. We'll get another Bedard. Bedard, you got any answers? Any solutions? No. no. Okay, let's hit the plane. Uh, the Edmonton Oilers are below all those teams with a record of two, eight, and one, and they will meet the San Jose Sharks. Who've played twelve games? They've won one of them, and that came last night against the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, they somehow beat the Flyers despite despite getting badly outshot, and now the Sharks will host the Edmonton Oilers on Thursday night. Yeah, I mean the re- and the reason that I keep looking at this night after night after night is I am continually amazed at how well things are breaking for the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, I know that now we've got these lofty aspirations that, you know, all our, all the players are going to win all the individual awards and they're probably going to finish with 130 points and they're going to reset yeah. the record books. But they'll, they'll actually be better than the 84-85 Oilers. In the event that doesn't happen. <laughs> just, start, just, to, just to prepare for a slight downside. Start to look at just the playoff bar. Remember that back in the day? When we just wanted to make the playoffs, we weren't concerned about dominating the NHL. Actually, I think we just wanted to be in the playoff race in March. Okay, that's more accurate. Right. Just wanted to play. We were still in the the beginning of the year. (laughs) We were still in play meaningful games in March mode. Now it's like play meaningful games in June. But anyway, I look at last year. So playoff teams from a year ago that needed to fall out. Well, Minnesota, who finished third in the Central Division with 103 points, is not a good hockey team right now. We mentioned that already. Mm-hmm. Edmonton is an abject disaster. They were second in the Pacific with 109 points. They're a little bit off that pace right now. They're on pace for like 40. Um, Seattle, we haven't really talked about the Kraken all that much, but the Kraken again, the first wildcard team last year with 100 points are 4-6-3, and three, and they have just 11 points through their first 13 games of the season. And I think it should be noted that we probably will spend some time talking about the Kraken in just a little bit because the Canucks have two games against the Kraken this month. Uh, Saturday, November 18th, that's a home game. And then Friday, November 24th in Seattle, that's part of that crazy Seattle sports weekend yeah. with the 49ers and the Seahawks on the Thursday, the Canucks and the Kraken on the Friday, and then the Apple Cup between the undefeated right now, Huskies and Washington State. So if you're asking yourself, like, who needs to fall out for the Canucks to get in? There's three teams that are already playing by the script. Minnesota, Edmonton, and Seattle. Three of the eight teams last year are already below the bar. And I'll be honest, if we're going to start looking at that American Thanksgiving mark for mm-hmm. when you need to be in playoff position, those three might not get there. Like I, I, oh, would, I don't think Edmonton is going to get Edmonton there. Edmonton is definitely not going to get no. there. And it's going to be tough for teams like Minnesota and Seattle to get into that mix because they're not playing that well. But if you're the Oilers and you're looking up on the standings and seeing Anaheim and Arizona in the wild card spots, that's probably somewhat encouraging, right? You're Maybe. Kinda, no, I think it is. I like, don't think Edmonton can look outside Anaheim and, of the room Anaheim's right not for real. Arizona, I don't think they're for real either. Right, but I mean, the, the point is, is that there's no body of work this season that suggests that Edmonton is on the verge of figuring it out. That's my biggest concern well, with them right now. I think, they're under, I think their underlying stats suggest that there's potential there if they get some saves, but I just don't know who's going to give them gonna come saves, from. right? Is it Calvin Pickard? Yeah. Is that what's going to happen here? 
Chet, Calvin Pickard, is he? The, are Who's you, the other guy they got that, in the system? There's a, there's a guy who is fairly highly touted. Rodrigue. What how, what's his name? Olivier Rodrigue. Right. So he's he's like 23 years old. Yeah, former Team Canada goalie. His dad's a goalie coach, Sylvain mm-hmm. Rodrigue. He's very highly touted goalie coach. So he's been kind of waiting there in the wings for a while. Not really seen as a guy with a huge ceiling, but we've seen guys step into role. Like Andrew Hammond's walked in and, and been lights out for Ottawa. So I'm not going to rule out Pickard. I'm not going to rule out Rodrigue. Somebody could step in, give the Oilers league average goaltending, and watch them take off. So Let's just a it. slight update, uh, A-Dog, you just... Uh confirm this JT Miller will join us at eight o'clock today uh, the Canucks are in Ottawa they're going to practice at one o'clock eastern time at the Canadian Tire Center so 10 a.m our time JT Miller will join us uh, at eight o'clock so really looking forward to this interview with Miller who's been one of the Canucks best players he's coming off a game where he shut down and pissed off Connor McDavid right. um he's having a really good season really looking forward to chatting with JT Miller about um how different this season is uh, we'll t- maybe talk a little bit about uh, what he's seen from Quinn Hughes as a captain and his own role in the leadership group maybe we can talk about you know for example what was said in the room after the Philly game mm-hmm. Because the Canucks have had one, this is the encouraging, the most, I think the most encouraging thing for me about the Canucks, and there's a long list of them, is how they've responded to, they've had one awful game and that was in Philly and they responded well to that. Yes, they lost their last game, but their their next game, but Mm -hmm. they played a lot better against Tampa Bay and ever since then, they've been pretty good. But also like mid-game. If something goes wrong for them, they've responded almost every game. Think yeah. of how, and a lot of it has to do with guys just doing their job, right? Thatcher Demko kept the Canucks in it, but then they had a response on offense. The way that that game, that last game started against the uh, Edmonton Oilers, the shots were 19-2 to for Edmonton at one point, and the Oilers were winning one nothing. The Canucks ended up winning the period 3-1. Like that that is remarkable and the more I've watched sports throughout my life and you know talked to coaches about th- things in sports the more I think one of the most important things for a coach and a leadership group is to develop habits for when things go wrong. Mm-hmm. Right? Like so so you can you can prepare a team wow. all you want for how you want things to go. Like mm-hmm. how do you want it to go tonight? You know, you always that's always like the pregame speech. Okay, we're going to get in on the forecheck and we're going to do all these things like sure. what if something bad happens? Right. I mean, how do you respond then? This team is funny because when something bad happens, the answer is often let's hope the Demer just bails us out of this one cuz remember when you talked about that game in Philadelphia, their worst performance of the season, Demko was unbelievable. He was lights out. And as a matter of fact, he gave them the slimmest of chances to win a game that they had no business winning. Mm-hmm. Go to the last game against Edmonton. The Canucks should have been down, maybe by a sizable margin, after that first period. But as Elliot Friedman has pointed out, the Canucks' best players have all been their best players this season. And that conversation very much includes Demko. Because, you know, Rick Tockett alluded to him as the human smelling salt. Like, Demko, Demro will give us a lift. 
When he, we he meant that it, in a good way. He meant he'll make a bunch of saves that'll kickstart the guys. Now everyone get around Demko and smell him right now. Everyone circle around, get those noses the in smell there. Of They're going to do that right before the Ottawa game. They're yep. just going to gather around the crease and take a big whiff. No, like it's, but but don't you think that like just talking about that point about how a team responds when things are going badly. The last few years for the Canucks, they have not responded well. well that's and, kind of the point I'm trying to make yeah. here is that part of it is when things are going badly, sometimes you need someone to step up and bail you out. You need a savior. Demko's done that on a mm-hmm. number of occasions already this season. Like when I was talking yesterday about him being the team MVP, it was in light or it was in part because of those moments where it's like, hey, this team has had some real bad looks this year. The first period against Edmonton, it's going to be glossed over by the fact that they were up 3-1, mm-hmm. but they got caved in. Yeah. And Demko's just like, nope, not going to happen. Could Isn't you... that the definition of a game-breaker, though? Well, and the fact that the Canucks have won at every position has been kind of in the back of all our minds, like, hey, that that is something positive. We just didn't know if they could reach the level that you need to reach. And we still don't know because they still haven't played any playoff games. Well, you know who, right? you know who doesn't have a game-breaker in that right now? The Edmonton Oilers. They have backbreakers in net right now. And I mean, that's honestly, if you look at that team and you talk about going through adversity and trying to find your way out of it or finding ways to deal with the adversity, Edmonton doesn't have it right now because every time they need a save, Mm -hmm. they don't get one. Every time that they need a goalie to, and I hate, I know Laddie's going to roll his eyes at this, but like there's certain times where saves are bigger than others. Yeah, he's shaking his head at me. Like they just don't get it. Mm -hmm. And that's backbreaking for a team. And then it snowballs, right? Like Edmonton in that game the other night, the Fogel disallowed goal. Like you could see how frustrated they were. Yeah. Because he did everything that all the coaching cliches came out, right? We need to score greasy goals. We need to be hungrier than the other team. We can't rely on our skill, guys. We need to muck it up and get one. And then they got one, and everyone's happy, and it's Fogel of all people scoring it. And then it got snatched away, and you could just see them collectively lose it because nothing was going right. The, the best part of that was, I think if he just left it, it probably would have rolled in on its own. <laughs> yeah, and he was doing everything he should have done. He was just putting his head down and no crashing the net. But they are so Edmonton's actually the polar opposite of Vancouver this year. Like nothing has gone right, mm-hmm. and no one's bailed them out. The Canucks, everything's gone right, and when the few moments that it hasn't, there's always someone there to bail them out. They're the polar opposites. It's actually been a really interesting thing to watch. Is there something to be said from, you know, when you expect good things to happen, good things will happen, and when you expect bad yes. things to happen, bad things will happen? Yes. I do kind of wonder if everyone on that Edmonton bench when they scored that goal was like, oh, God. Yeah. Is this going to count? Because <laughs> that was the first thing I thought. Right. I was like, I wonder if they're going to take this away. Just have mm-hmm. a look. Or I was like, I bet maybe talk it'll challenge, right? And right. That, no, he doesn't do that. And then, that and then, and then a few minutes later, JT Miller scores, and it was so close that even the referees on the ice didn't see it, right? Yeah. And 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 that's a mindset thing. Where mm-hmm. it's, it's it's probably going on in Ottawa right now. Like, what else bad could happen today? If That's a question if I was a Senator's well, that I mean, that's exactly what's happened in Vancouver the previous, what, Felt like a hundred years, long time. You know, it was just like you couldn't believe the next story that came up. Yeah. Um, so okay. JT Miller's going to join us at eight o'clock, and I love this. I love the texters. Uh, this guy texts in, "Hey, bruff, bring up your quote unquote aging poorly contract concerns today." LOL. You won't. Why wouldn't I ask JT Miller about a question about like you're thirty now? Do you do anything differently? Do you think about that? Like, what is so 
hard for me as an interviewer to do that. Well, you're going to meet the challenge. You're going to rise to the do, occasion. Do you think I'm scared to ask these guys honest questions? Like, hey, you turned 30. We asked Rick Tockett about this over the offseason. And Rick Tockett said, yeah, I talked to JT about that. It's really not a big deal. We'll talk to JT Miller about a lot of things. He is an interesting character. I really like his personality. I really like his play right now. The question has been whether or not the Canucks would be Stanley Cup contenders during his prime years. Maybe I've been way off about whether or not they can level up to that to, to get to that level in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. Maybe they are right now. Happy to be fun. wrong about things. Mm-hmm. Being wrong about things makes the show so much more interesting. And we're wrong about a lot. You should listen to our NFL picks. Uh-huh. Halford doesn't believe in the Cincinnati. Do you believe in the Cincinnati Bengals yet? No. Joe Burrow Still is like no. an old Still Brock no. Purdy. <laughs> <laughs> like, isn't that what makes sports interesting? When, you know, like everyone has a prediction, right? The Edmonton Oilers. How many people predicted that they were going to win the Stanley Cup? I think the Edmonton Oilers themselves were like, I think we're going to win the Stanley Cup. Isn't that what's interesting about their struggles? It's not interesting that San Jose's bad. It's maybe to the extent, maybe <laughs> to the extent, yeah. but you know, it's not interesting that Chicago's bad. They're supposed to be bad. What's interesting is when teams either surprise or disappoint. Bad, okay. Hold on. Hold on. Bad teams. I do find it incredibly interesting to follow, not just from a sort of gallows humor perspective, but I am always curious about, we just talked about this when teams deal with adversity How do they get their way out of it? What comes next? When something is bad or something isn't going well, I would love to know what the solution is because all you see on the horizon when things are going bad are more bad things. I'm sure this applies to a lot of people's just everyday lives. Mm. When things aren't going great in your personal life, you kind of start to expect that other things are going to go poorly, right? Or that any undecided or undetermined outcome isn't going to go your way. And then you ask, well, can I change something? Is this just the cosmos and the stars and the moons and the planets dictating what's going to happen next? Now, bring it back to the hockey side of things. I mean, things are going great for the Canucks right now. Mm -hmm. There will be adversity this season. I don't know how else to describe this or explain it to the listening audience, but things aren't going to go great all year long. You know what we should ask, JT? How good does it feel to talk to guys like us that didn't believe in this team? Sure. Write it down on your list. You put, yeah, he put together a great list of questions. So, you know, where how, how good do you think it feels for the Canucks who have had so much criticism over the last little while to play like they are right now? Well, it's, it's, and, and, to, and, to, and to stick it to guys like me who said, yeah, trade JT Miller. I mean, look, there's a validation, I think, on two fronts from the Canucks. Mm. And one is definitely... And this is not just with the Canucks. Everybody does this. Us against the world. Nobody believed in us. Yeah. All those people from the outside doubted us. The other part of this, though, I, that I think is also equally validating for them is a lot of players said, hey, this is a referendum season for us. Mm-hmm. They put pressure on themselves. Demko said this was a do-or-die season for all of this core. Petey, Hughes, Miller, Demko himself. Yeah. So for them to be able to step up and say, see, we told you so, it was a do-or-die season, and we are doing, yeah. not dying. I, wa- I want to hear what they think. Yeah, I mean, that's... I mean, he might just say, I don't listen to you guys anyway, right? Mm-hmm. And I'd be like, good, you shouldn't, right? It's it, Don't stay off social media. I, JT Miller doesn't strike me as the guy that's on Twitter, right? X. 
X or whatever. <laughs> X Twitter. Okay, so to reset. But, like, but uh, I'm really excited for this because why why wouldn't we want to give the seed the floor to a guy that has received a lot of criticism in this market and right now is playing so, so well. And for his team, too. So just to reset, uh, this is how the rest of the show is going to go. Coming up, we are going to focus back on Edmonton and the tire fire that is the Edmonton Oilers. The day after Jack Campbell was placed on waivers, Mark Spector from Sportsnet in Edmonton is going to join us at 7.30. At 8 o'clock, Canucks forward JT Miller to kick off Hour 3 will be joining us live from Ottawa. Then at 8.30, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, Manny Viveros, is going to join us. We're also going to give away tickets for SmackDown, WWE SmackDown on January 5th at Rogers Arena. So get your What We Learns in for that. So we've got a really loaded show here over the final hour and a half. 90 minutes to go of more radio excellence, or at the very least, radio averageness. You are listening to the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. The most opinionated Canucks show out there. Canucks Talk with Jamie Dodd and Thomas Drans. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That will stand as the worst contract you're here in Edmonton. Uh, not two seasons later, Jack Campbell is on waivers and heading for the minors. 7.30 on a Wednesday. Happy Wednesday, everybody. Halford Bruff, Sportsnet 650. Halford and Bruff of the Morning is brought to you by the Delari family of Acura dealers. Experience a Delari difference today by visiting your nearest Delari Acura dealer today. We are in hour two of the program. That voice you just heard coming back from break, that was Mark Spector. He's going to join us in a minute here. The highlight of hour two. Hour two of Halford and Bruff is brought to you by North Star Metal Recycling. Vancouver's premier metal recycler pays the highest prices on scrap metal. North Star Metal Recycling, they recycle, you get paid. Visit them at 1170 Powell Street in Vancouver. To the phone lines we go. Mark Spector from Sportsnet in Edmonton now on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650. Morning, Speck. How are you? Hey, I'm still in Vancouver, pal. Oh, Enjoying nice. uh, the radio hits on Pacific time zone. It's really awesome, let me tell you. I saw you and Gene out by the water yesterday, <laughs> looking at the Aquabus in the background. Very picturesque. That's mm. nice. And you were talking about Jack Campbell. Uh, I gotta ask you right away, when you first heard the news, how surprised were you when you learned that the Oilers had waived Campbell? Not at all. Uh, not any surprise whatsoever. Uh, in fact, I was, was politely tipped uh Something's coming down the pipeline, and I thought about it for about 45 seconds and thought, <laughs> I know what's coming down the pipeline. <laughs> so, no, uh, we thought a lot of things, boys, but surprise wasn't one of them. Uh, we were playing your audio from the hit with Gene where you said it was, you know, the worst contract that Ken Holland has signed during his tenure as Oilers GM. It's hard not to argue it given where he's at right now. Is this the end of Campbell with the Oilers, or is this demotion to the minors just temporary? Ah, I mean, you never know. You know, Skinner could suffer an injury three games from now, and they got to call sure. someone up. It'd be him. Uh, you know, you can, you just, you can never say never. If things go the way the Oilers want them to go, yeah, this is it for Jack Campbell. And when I say that, I mean Ken Holland is out in the goaltender market as we speak, making phone calls, trying to figure out to seek and land a, you know. Uh, Jake Allen or uh, 
Jordan Bennington or someone like that that can work, that can play with Skinner. The feeling in Edmonton is that there's, you know, Skinner's a sophomore goalie. He was a Calder Trophy candidate last year. He's having a tough sophomore year like so many goalies have over the years we've watched. So the feeling in Edmonton is they need a guy that can help, that can play half the games, that can, you know, give the Oilers confidence, give Skinner some confidence, don't make him feel like it's all on his shoulders like it is right now. They just need a guy that can they can put in the net and get some games from. Uh, Campbell proved not to be that guy. What happened with Jack Campbell in Edmonton? Why was the fit so bad? He was never. He was never should. They never should have signed him, gentlemen. You know, they never should have signed him. This is uh, Brad Holland, the assistant general manager, is kind of the guy that's getting the credit for this one. He's in Toronto. Um, you know, it's. I mean, I, I I won't bore you with all the details, but. Think back a couple of years. The Oilers sat through that Mikkel Koskinen contract, right? Remember how bad that was? It was like $3.5 million for this guy. Mm-hmm. Well, it finally ends. <laughs> and Mike Smith is done. He's leaving too. So now they got Skinner, who is a rookie, okay? And really never played in the NHL. They got Skinner. They like him. He's okay. But they got to get a goalie to play with him. They got a team. They think they got McDavid and Drysaddle and a good team. So Ken Holland goes into the summer. He's got to find a goalie. He can't not find a goalie, right? If he had come back and said, you know, we're just going to go with this rookie and, a, and, and Calvin Pickard, I mean, he got crucified. So he goes out into the summer and he says, okay, uh, Detroit, there's nobody out there. Detroit signs Billy Hussle. Billy Hussle's no better than Jack Campbell, I don't think. Maybe a little, not much. Darcy Kemper's in the market. He had already told Edmonton, I'm not coming there. And Jack Campbell's in the market. So... The mistake Ken Holland makes is he didn't say, look, I'm not doing this. I'm not doing Jack Campbell. I don't think he can play. I don't believe everybody in Toronto is telling me how mentally weak he is. Everyone in Toronto is telling me, don't sign this guy. He should have done that. And he should have found a way to get through that season and find a goalie somewhere else. Mm-hmm. He didn't, right? He succumbed to the, the Oilers desperate need for a goalie at that moment. And he signed Jack Campbell. And it was the wrong thing to do. So I'm not sitting here saying that the Oilers goalies have been good because they haven't been. But there were a couple plays in the last Canucks game where Pew Suter's goal wide open in the slot for a, a, a shot. Maybe should have been saved, but still wide open in the slot. And then the Nils Hoaglander goal. Um, rebound came out, bad rebound came out, but Evan Bouchard is just skating right next to Nils Hoaglander, doesn't take a stick, doesn't tie him up at all, and Hoaglander is like, okay, thanks, I'm going to score this rebound. How much Mm -hmm. of this is on the Oilers' defensive issues as well? Tons of it are. Tons of it. They've given up more, you know, um, goals off the rush than any team in the league. So for sure. They've been defensively Derek. The head coach put in a new defensive system. They haven't figured it out. He's tried to fine-tune things. It's been a nightmare. Uh, but I guess I would say, you know, so for sure. And Evan Bouchard has been the worst one. Defensively, he's been a train wreck this year. He's got like, you know, I think 11 points or something, which is great for a defenseman. He's minus seven, and he has been a train wreck defensively, okay? Absolutely brutal. But I guess I would say to you guys, in the first, you know, seven minutes of that game, the Oilers had two and a half breakaways on Demko. <laughs> mm-hmm. And we're not sitting here today talking about the Canucks' defensive issues, right? 
Mm-hmm. You know, they, they, the Oilers had 19 shots on goal. We're not here today talking about, man, the Canucks had a terrible start in that game. Like they weren't ready to play. What's wrong with the coach? We're not talking about any of that because Demko masked every bit of it. Demko allowed them to be very poor defensively in the first 10 minutes, to have a very slumberous start, and to not play very well in a game that if it's 3 nothing, like two years ago, that game's 3 nothing, and it's over, and the Canucks never come back. You know, so you're right, everything you say, the Oilers' defensive systems and the way they're playing isn't very good. But they're not allowed to make a mistake. They can't have a mistake because it's in their net. The Pia Suter thing, it's a three-on-two, and you shouldn't give up a three-on-two. But that was about the seventh best scoring chance in the game at that point, mm-hmm. right? Demko had stopped all the other ones except for one. So, you know, it's, it's, it comes to goaltending. It always comes back to goaltending and hockey boys. Did anyone in Edmonton see this coming? Because the talk in the preseason was Stanley Cup or bust. It was talking about cleaning up the little mistakes that were made against Vegas, and this time you go in, and there's a lot of people picking them to win the Stanley Cup. Yeah. I would say across, like, I don't have, there's no analytics on this. To my eye, I think they were the consensus Stanley Cup favorite among all us goofballs that have to, whose bosses say who's going to win the Stanley cup, put it in the paper. <laughs> right. I think that there is probably more than 50% of everybody from DSN to Sportsnet to hockey news to American outlets. So, so no, see it coming. Nobody, I, I did, uh, you know, no one, nobody did anyone in Vancouver. No, no. Phone your radio station no. and say the orders aren't going to make the playoffs. Of course, nobody, no one saw this coming. Absolutely not. Well, no one saw the Canucks coming either. I mean, it's and been, no one it's did been... anyone in the strike. No one saw Canucks coming either. That's the beauty of it. What mm-hmm. do they say? That's why they play the games, right? Um, how has McDavid been this season on the ice, off the ice? Uh, we we saw his frustration levels rising pretty high in in the in the last game. What's he had to say about all this? Well, he's hurt, and he won't tell you about it. Uh, I got a piece that's coming out today. I had a long interview with him, and he's. He won't say to you, yeah, I'm hurt, but he's absolutely playing at maybe 70% to my eye. You know, if you notice in the game the other night, uh, he had that partial breakaway on maybe the first, his first shift and Demko stopped him. And then he had another break around the, uh, the edge. He went wide on a defense when I think it was chronic, but I can't remember, uh, went wide around the guy and had another really good chance. And he was separating for the first 10 minutes of that game, he was dangerous. It looked like another big McDavid night. And then by the end of the first period, he's not separating anymore. And in the second and the third period, he's always going to be one of the fastest guys on the ice. But he wasn't faster than the fastest Canuck anymore. He wasn't separating anymore. He was just mm-hmm. a fast guy, but he wasn't McDavid fast anymore. He gets he, he doesn't get 60 minutes out of that, whatever's going on. He's, he's a mortal player. And if you look at the standings, I just did... He's got 10 points in nine games, which for most people is good. He's 65th in the scoring race. So if you're telling me that a healthy Connor McDavid is going to be 65th in the scoring race, I'm, you know, <laughs> he's, so to me, he's injured. Uh, he's trying to captain a team that's fallen over a cliff. That's never any fun. You know, he's doing all the interviews. He's saying all the right things. He's supporting his team and his coach and all that stuff. And on the ice, watch him. He's getting frustrated with losing. I mean, if he wasn't frustrated with losing, I'd be pretty concerned, wouldn't you? So what can Ken Holland do about this? Well, he's got to to find a goalie. That's what he's got to do. 
Mm-hmm. Got to find a goalie. That's what he can do about this. He needs a, a, someone. This this team is so fragile. You know, that game you guys and all our listeners here watched the other day, that is a metaphor for the Edmonton Oilers season. Mm-hmm. They start games well. You know, they're good pros. They come out, they, they're ready to play, and they want to win, and they're committed, and out they come, and they play like hell for however long they do, and they're having trouble. It's not going in, and they're meeting lots of goalies. I mean, if it's not Demko standing on his head, it's Casey DeSmith standing on his head, right? That's what's happening to Edmonton, and you know what? Tough luck. These things happen. But inevitably, the other team gets some, you know, 60% scoring chance, and it goes in. Yeah. And then the bench goes, oh, geez, here and we And they're go. chasing games all the time. They're just because of that. Yeah. Right. And uh, listen, other guys are making mistakes. I'm not saying every inch of this is on the goaltending, but we all know the game when the bench sees it happen night after night after night. It's a, it's a, uh, uh, an emotional thing. It's a, it's a, you know, there's just a visible sag. I watch this team every night. And at some point in the game, I see it every night. There's a visible sag like, Oh man, it's happening again, boys. So Ken Holland has to install a goaltender that can give this team any amount of belief. Because right now they got zero, and I don't care how good you are, right? I don't care how good you are. If you don't believe, you don't win. Who has a better chance of coming back and making the playoffs, the Edmonton Oilers or the Calgary Flames? Who? I don't know. Edmonton Oilers, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. You know, I mean, uh, as as bad a contract as Campbell is, Huberdeau's fifty percent worse. Mm-hmm. You know, look at Hubie; he's they're the same guy. They both signed at the start of last year. Neither guy has given his team ten minutes of decent hockey, and now we're into the second season. And Campbell's got, including this year, four years left at five million. And what's Huberdeau? Isn't he starting an eight-year deal at ten and a half? It's bad. <laughs> That's. They got, you know, that's a major issue in Calgary if Huberto can't find his game. But anyway, whatever. Uh, one of those teams, I, at this point, neither are going to make the playoffs. So, uh, you know, someone's got to become a hero. Someone needs a hero. And maybe one of them can find their way. I know that we've kind of danced around and talked about Woodcroft and coaching and everything else. But um, you know, how seriously should we start paying attention to a name like Gerard Gallant? Yeah, absolutely. Right? For sure. You know, this is the business. If if Woodcroft can't get this team playing, um, somebody else is going to get the chance. Now, it, it's really going to revolve around this. This team needs to get itself back into the race and close enough that a coaching change is going to matter. You know, I don't think that Ken Holland's going to fire his coach having given him the goaltending he's given him. I don't think any GM can look himself, the coach in the eye and say, well, I'm firing you. Sorry about the goalies. <laughs> you yeah, know. But Pew Suter was wide open. Yeah, but it's Pew Suter. I know. I'm just, I'm just joking. I'm just like, <laughs> right? it's, he's I, a nice player. Yeah. But that was a, as bad a goal as you're going to see. So um, if Ken Holland can find, a, you know, if the team can get, get themselves back into a position and Ken Holland can find them a goalie and there's, you know, it, it makes sense that the coach of replacing a coach might save your season, then yeah, they'll replace the coach. But all of those things have to happen first, in my opinion. Speck, thanks for joining us today. Appreciate it. Appreciate all the hits you're doing on Vancouver radio. You're, you're basically a Vancouver radio host now. Enjoy, <laughs> enjoy the city.
Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. I'm waiting. Uh, I'll, I'm waiting for the invoice here. It's on the way. <laughs> Thanks, you, Mike. Have a good one. See ya. Oh, right, hey, boys. Uh, that's Mark Spector from Sportsnet in Edmonton. Although he's here in Vancouver, here on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650, I have never looked more forward to a shark. That's going to be the nightcap for tomorrow because mm-hmm. you get to watch, you know, the. Canucks. But it's only it's only interesting if the Sharks win, right? Like I don't know. I mean, Oilers, that's why you watch the games, Jason. But the Oilers, the Oilers could pound the Sharks, and they're still in this situation. They pounded Nashville earlier in the season, and then didn't turn it around. They beat Calgary at the Heritage Classic. It's not like they haven't won any games. This time. I think this, this time is different. So so the, the question when I ask... The asked, question is, is if, if San Jose is going to beat Edmonton. No, no, that's no. what I want to know and see. Right. But when I asked Beck, like, what is Ken Holland going to do about this? He was like, well, he's got to find a goalie. So how are you going to find a goalie? Maybe it's down in the minors with Calvin Pickard, but probably not. Or who's the other young guy they got? I keep forgetting. Jose Rodriguez. Okay, Rodriguez. You know, give him give him a shot. Maybe it's a guy like Jake Allen out of Montreal. Who knows? Um, but like he is in such a tough spot right now. Mm-hmm. I when love, you don't have a goalie, by the way. it's just so frustrating. And in Vancouver, um, even though you know we've had some struggles. <laughs> Here in Vancouver, for the most part, we've had great goaltending. You know, the Canucks went from Luongo and Schneider to Markey um, to Thatcher Demko. It wasn't always great. You for, skipped Lack. <laughs> we, well, yeah. there was that one year Eddie Lack played really well. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't always easy for Markey. It, it wasn't like he was he was great all the time. It hasn't always been easy for Thatcher Demko. He struggled last season, but. I'm trying to think of the last goalie in Edmonton that played there for a number of years, and you just had constant faith in him. Grant Fear. It's been a long time. Cujo? Like, are we talking Cujo about? Cujo had a spell there. Like Cujo wasn't there long enough. Yeah. No, Cujo wasn't there long enough. Like, Dwayne Rolison wasn't there long enough. They were good when they played, mm-hmm. but they weren't there long enough. It's been futile for a long time. It is hilarious when you look at it retroactively and you're like, they just got out from the Miko Koskinen contract, which was killing them. And then they just put another anchor contract in net with Jack Campbell. Like even in retrospect, you're like, would why would you not hit the market after Koskinen and not lock in anybody long term for big money? Like I know they thought that they had the solution in Campbell. Right, it was going to be Batman to Robin or Robin to Batman, however you wanted to play it with Skinner. But you just make a shorter commitment that doesn't have as much onerous term on it right. in case it doesn't go well. There was so much you confidence. Just went through that with Costa. There was so much confidence in that five-year deal they gave to Campbell, which made no sense. Like, who do? You, why would right. you do a five-year deal to any goalie? Let alone one that has the highs and lows of a Jack Campbell. So Jack Jack but, Campbell but, and Thatcher Demko have the exact same contract, right? But it, it's kind of reminiscent Which of when they made the Taylor Hall trade for Adam Larson. They were like, "We need to get a guy. We have to get a guy." And sometimes when you're in that desperation for the short term fix, and let's face it, when you have McDavid and Drysaitel on your team, mm-hmm. you can't just be like. Well, we'll do something later, right? I mean, yeah. you could. It was yeah, but, but then you're under pressure. You, you know it, it, that, and that was the reason they made that Taylor Hall trade. They were like, we have no defensemen. You know, we know what that's like in Vancouver when you don't have defensemen, mm-hmm. and you're looking around going, 
God, we 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 need some. How are we going to get someone? Now the Canucks have added Philip Peronik in a trade that looks pretty good, but there are downsides to that as well. They're going to have to trade. They're going to have to pay Philip Peronik big money, and they still need to find another one, mm-hmm. right? But I think what you're saying is maybe what Ken Holland could or should have done is find the Ian Cole of goalies, yeah, right? Go out that's there exactly what it should and be. get get a get, get a veteran on a one year deal. Just anything other than what they tried to do, which was... They forced uh, it. Well, well, they went fishing in a pond that was like shallow and didn't have a ton of fish. Reading back... Like, We're going to land the big one, Well, the, the other goalie that was listed, I went back and read some articles. Ville Husso was the other one on the market that they were looking at. Sure. Yeah. He oh. hasn't really panned out super well in Detroit either, so... By the way, people also sexy in Ryan Miller. Yeah, Ryan Miller gave the Canucks solid goaltending yep. for the entire time he was here. And he only signed a three-year contract. I don't know how much Not that five. was the work of the coaches here. I know they did some nice work with Miller while he was in Vancouver, but mm. he had a pretty solid career before. Uh, he's, just, he's, just, he's such a pro. Like, yeah. he is such a pro. The best thing that Spec threw out there was the possibility, and I don't think there's any possibility, we're just throwing it out there like Jordan Bennington out of St. Louis. As soon as he said it, I was like, yes. I'm spit up my drink Yes, out. please do that, Edmonton. There would be nothing better, nothing better and more delicious than this floundering team bringing in the biggest hothead goalie in the NHL and then throwing him into the mix and be like, please save us, Jordan Bennington. Well, another question. I would thing, love that. The, the love thing that. The Campbell signing that just made me scratch my head from the beginning was they needed to get over the hump, right? They needed a goalie who will win them the big game. If you look at Jack Campbell's career, he has never won a playoff series mm-hmm. in junior, in AHL, in any, he has never won a series. Yeah. He was acquired by the Sioux Greyhounds for a playoff run. They missed the playoffs. <laughs> Why would you go and sign a goalie like that, regardless of what his stats say? Just from the outside perspective, looking at it like that, you need a goalie who can win you the big game, and that's who you find on a five-year deal? Desperation Oof. is such a dangerous thing. Oof. In the NHL, with a hard cap, look at the Calgary Flames. Desperation led them to, you know, well, God, oh my God, we lost Johnny Gaudreau. Yep. Kachuk wants out. Yeah, it was panic time, big you time. Know? No one took a moment to sit back and breathe and be like, okay, let's see where we go from here. They mm. panicked. They panicked. And the Huberto contract, again, when we look back on all of this, it won't even be the trade. It'll be the contract because they gave Huberto that extension without seeing him play a single solitary minute in a Calgary Flames uniform. Never saw him play under Daryl Sutter. Never saw him play with different line mates. Never saw him play a single shift where he had moved conferences even. Spent his entire career in one place with one organization. Yeah. And then moved and they just threw the bag at him. On, and, on a team that played a very let's call it open style of hockey. Right. Now I understand that they paid him. After a season in which like, he set a record for most assists by a left winger in NHL history mm-hmm. at 85 assists. He had a phenomenal year. Even if they did kind of play loosey-goosey open pond hockey, he still produced at a crazy clip. But there he was... He also, a- by the way, that, that season he played mostly with Sam Bennett. A lot of people yeah, saying and- he misses Barkov. Yeah, he played a lot with Barkov in Florida, but it was Sam Bennett. Ooh, the Flames should have kept him. And they just kind of... <laughs> yeah, there's another one too, right? I wonder if they can find a Sam Bennett. Yeah. Um, and so you look at it and you're saying, well, this is all easy to say in hindsight. But the reality is, is sometimes you need to see what you've got in your lineup before you decide to make this really long-term commitment to someone. You also have to say, do we need to reevaluate the long-term commitment? Because in that... In that Calgary case, when they panicked, part of the panic was nobody wants to play here anymore. So what do we do? We make sure that Jonathan Huberto will play here forever. 
And then they doubled down on it. Yeah. So we're also going to make sure that Nazem Kadri plays here forever. But isn't that isn't that part of a problem too for the Oilers with their goalie chase? Um, you know, Speck was saying they want to go after Darcy Kemper, and he's like, "Nah, I don't want to go to Edmonton." And I get it. Yeah, I mean, it's you know, it's cold. It's cold. <laughs> Edmonton. Anyway, okay, let's reset here because we got a big final hour on the Halford and Bruff Show on Sportsnet six fifty. Uh, coming up at eight o'clock, Canucks forward JT Miller is going to join the program live from Ottawa. Uh, We'll talk to him in about 10 minutes' time, so stick around for that. You're going to want to hear it. Then at 8.30, the head coach of the Vancouver Giants, Manny Viveros, is going to join us. Uh, Always love talking to Manny. He's a very interesting and entertaining and candid guy, so we'll talk to him at 8.30. We are also going to shoehorn in some What We Learns, and we're also going to read some humanoid submissions, including the winner, of the WWE SmackDown tickets. That's right. We're giving away SmackDown tickets to the best What We Learn entrant. Get them in. There's still time to get in. Hashtag WWL. Add a ticket emoji into your text and text the Dunbar Lumber text line at 650-650. So coming up, JT Miller, Manny Viveros, and WWE SmackDown ticket giveaway. What a final hour. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to the Halford & Bruff Show on Sportsnet 650.